Let's pray together. Lord, we thank You for Your presence with us and for communicating Your love and Your will uh, to us through Your Holy Word. And we pray, Lord, that as we study Your Word, those words would leap from the page and uh, find root in our hearts, that it may bear fruit in our lives. So I, I pray, Lord, that You would take my broken words, the words of this preacher, and that somehow by Your grace You would make them helpful and healing and that they would be your word. We pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, good morning. This is a special day in the life of the church. You know that? This is Pentecost. And at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down upon the church, gathered in the upper room. The Spirit filled them with power. And out they went into the streets and turned the world upside down. And the world hasn't been the same since. So if it wasn't for that grand event, we probably wouldn't be here today. It was the time when uh, the Lord really launched the church for its mission in the world. So if you are wearing red today, I don't know if that qualifies, Trish, but uh, if you're wearing red today, you are liturgically in. So it's clear from up here that everybody's liturgically out. <laughs> no, nobody wearing red today. Of course, I'm not either. But <laughs> Hey, uh, we have been looking at the book of James, and uh, what's so great about this book is that it's so very, very practical. So far in our study, we have received wisdom on uh, how to respond to life's trials how to handle money and wealth, and how to keep from falling into temptation. And this morning, James takes up another very practical subject and has to do with how we properly relate to one another. His words really couldn't be more direct. So listen now as we read from James chapter 1. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. I don't know about you. But I am convicted by those words because I can think of so many occasions when I was way too slow to listen and way too quick to speak and way too quick to respond with anger. This week I have pondered James' words and I have been haunted by an unsettling question. To what extent have I contributed to the world's store of anger and incivility? There's a lot of anger in our society. Have you noticed? You've seen it in the media. You see it on college campuses. You see it in business political circles. Yes, you even see it in the church. There isn't a whole lot of respectful listening going on. 
Disagreements quickly become huge arguments. Issues that could be thoughtfully explored together quickly become personal, and people are demonized. People are threatened by opposing points of view and will now not allow people to speak freely. Groupthink orthodoxy is rigidly enforced. It's no wonder that people avoid all discussion of religion and politics in their digital and their social lives because it's just too darn risky. Civility is in critically short supply today. Now, as Christians, you and I know that we are to live differently, differently than the, the world around us, and that our attitudes and our actions should reflect the love of Christ and His respect for all people. And so, you and I have to ask ourselves, am I quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger? Is that how other people would describe you and me? Now, James begins addressing the subject by saying, or referring to us as, my dear brothers and sisters, and I so appreciate the tone that James is taking here, uh, his gentle tone, encouraging tone, my dear brothers and sisters, he reminds us that we're all valued members of Christ's family, that... uh, As brothers and sisters, we are dear to one another, even though we disappoint one another so often. But this family is called to live differently, as I say, than the world around it. And so James says, please, everyone, take notice of this. Dear brothers and sisters, what I'm about to say is really important, so listen up. I love that tone, you know. He doesn't say, you sinners, get your act together. This is what you need to do. No. Dear brothers and sisters, listen to this. This is really important. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So let's unpack that a little bit. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. How often do you and I really listen to another. Because so often, even as that person is speaking to us, you know what we're doing? We're, uh, we're uh, jumping to conclusions. We're making snap judgments. We're already formulating our response to that, what that person is saying, even before we fully hear them out. Either that or we allow our attention to wander. But love requires that we be fully present to another and really hear people out. And the good news for us is that we can learn to listen. Listening is a skill you can practice. Our our recent group of Stephen ministers, we spent a lot of time practicing listening, and does make a difference when you choose to practice it. 
We can practice giving our full attention to the person who is speaking to us. We can choose to wait patiently to make our response until they have said everything they need to say. We can ask questions and we can seek to understand where another person is coming from. Even if we don't agree with them, even though we think that they are off the wall, out to lunch. One of the great Christian pastors of our day is Tim Keller. Tim Keller, I'm always uh, quoting him because he's, because he's such a great pastor and preacher. And he's stepping down this year as pastor of the Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Manhattan in the middle of New York City. It's a church of about 3,000 people, and they have a traditional Presbyterian service, 3,000 people in the middle of Manhattan of all places. The congregation is well known for its outreach to the religiously unaffiliated. Part of the secret of that church is a secret is, is actually it's the, the quality that Tim Keller has because it has this amazing ability to really listen and then to respond very calmly to heated opinions. He recently shared his thoughts, Keller did, on how evangelical Christians could better connect with skeptics. He told the Huffington Post, we could do a far better job of patiently listening, and we should not talk until we can represent the skeptic's viewpoint with empathy so that a skeptic friend says, yes, that's my hang-up. I couldn't have put it better myself. Only then, says Keller, should we try to recommend the Christian faith to them. Keller says we have to learn to have better conversations. And it begins with patiently listening to people. And if we want to share our faith with others, then we must learn to use our ears first and our mouths later. And... uh, there's a great article, actually, in the current issue of Christianity Today. It talks about all this, and the, the article is, is entitled, Argue With Your Mouth Shut. When we truly listen to another person, we're saying to that person, you know, I really care about you. You are a valued and worthwhile human being. I want to hear what you have to say. So that listening is the first duty of love. If you want to love somebody, listen to them. I mean, really listen. Listen to what they have to say. People love to be listened to. And we're put off by people who don't listen to us, right? Have you ever been with somebody? All they can talk about is themselves. They never inquire about you or what you're doing. What your interest might be, no, it's always one-sided. It immediately puts us off. People loved to be listened to, and maybe that's why Jesus was popular with the crowds, because He had an enormous capacity to listen. He asked questions of lepers and Roman officers and blind men and invalids and rabbis and prostitutes and fishermen and politicians and mothers and religious zealots. He asked questions of them because he cared 
and he wanted to know them fully. Now, here's a bit of advice. You want to be popular at a party? Be a good listener. There is a reason, you know, why, why God gave us two ears and only one mouth. We should listen at least twice as much as we speak. But, of course, so often we are too quick to speak and end up saying something really dumb or foolish. I mean, a little self-control would have gone a long way. Proverbs in the uh, Old Testament, the book of Proverbs is full of advice along these lines. Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongue. Not only are you and I to be quick to listen, slow to speak, but we are also to be slow to anger. Not to be so easily provoked when somebody says something we don't like or we happen to disagree with. Yet so often, you know, we fly off the handle and our, our temper ramps up the tension and makes matters only worse. How much better would it be to respond with a calm demeanor and show gentleness and kindness to the people we disagree with. Again, from the Proverbs, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And then James says, we are to be slow to anger because Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Anger usually gets us into trouble, right? It makes matters worse. There is such a thing, however, as a good anger, as a righteous anger. Not all anger is bad. Jesus displayed a righteous anger when He overturned the tables of the money changers and chased them out of the temple with a whip. He was angry because people were exploiting poor people, pocketing money that was not fairly theirs. He turned the temple, they turned the temple into a den of robbers. I mean, there are certain things we ought to be angry about, right? The exploitation of children, the, the, the devaluation of human life, the injustice of oppressive governments cruelty to animals, and so on. I mean, anger can be a positive emotion if it leads us to take positive action in God's name. But the problem is, you see, our righteous anger so easily degenerates into unrighteous anger, human anger, and we make matters worse because a lot of our anger is actually self-focused. We're frustrated. We're not getting our needs met. Our pride has been wounded. Our, our ego has been wounded. And so we get angry, but it's a selfish kind of anger. It's not a godly anger at all. So that our anger takes over, and we're liable to say things 
that we regret later. Someone has has said, speak when you are angry and you will make the best speech you will ever regret. And I thought, man, I wish I could take back some of my fine speeches. Regret them to this day. If only I kept my mouth shut, I would have been so much better off. Too bad we have to learn the hard way, huh? So what then does it mean to be slow to anger? Well, partly it means that we have to consciously slow down our reaction time. One great American, Thomas Jefferson, offered some counsel as to how to handle anger. He said, when angry, count ten before you speak. When very angry, count to a hundred. Okay, slow down the reaction time. But author Mark Twain, 75 years later, revised Jefferson's words. He wrote, when angry, count four. When very angry, swear. (laughs) Well, Twain's advice is not exactly improved over Jefferson. I would not recommend that. Better to count to 100. So that to be slow to anger in conversation with others, things start to get tense. It means taking a deep breath. Relax, respond with a calm voice, speak slowly. I mean, just refusing to raise your voice will keep a situation from escalating. It's good to remember that a gentle answer turns away wrath, but our harsh words stirs up anger. But beyond that, being slow to anger means avoiding petty disagreements that just aren't worth fighting over. Sometimes we get angry over the dumbest stuff. It's just not worth it. Invariably, when I ask couples in premarital counseling situation, you know, what do they fight about? And they say, well, we fight over, over small things. And we tend to make mountains out of molehills. Well, being slow to anger means not sweating the small stuff. And you know what? We don't have to win every argument. And we don't always have to have the last word. The last thing this world needs is more angry talk and evil dissension. So that rather than adding to the world's store of anger and incivility, we pray that we will respond to others in a gracious way, seeking to build people up rather than tearing them down. And I'll have more to say about this in a future sermon when James takes up the subject of the tongue. We pray the Lord to help us exercise patience, gentleness, and kindness. So James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, he says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. 
I like the way Eugene Peterson translates this verse, more contemporary style. So, throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage in simple humility. Let our gardener, God, landscape you with the Word, making a salvation garden of your life. Man, how cool is that? I like that. If you and I are children of God, if we have received Jesus Christ as our Savior and know Him to be Lord, then God, the master gardener, has sowed the seed of His Word in our hearts. The Word has been implanted in us. His law is written in our hearts. If we are in Christ and He is in us, then we have His heart we have His mind, we know His will, and most importantly, we have the Holy Spirit who brings the Word to life and enables us to bear fruit in our lives. In the Apostle Paul's letter to the Galatians lists all the fruit of the Spirit in us, right? It's behind me on a banner. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and not least, self-control. It's the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit enables us to exercise self-control when we live in the Spirit. So, the more we open ourselves to the Spirit of God, the more we come to know Jesus Christ in a deeply personal way, the more we allow His Word to penetrate our minds and our hearts, the more we pray for a transfusion of His love and His peace and His understanding and His insight, the more we are changed into His likeness. And it's a lifelong process, and it isn't easy, but gradually as we allow Him to grow in us, His Spirit, we become more loving and more gentle in our response to people and to situations, and our unholy, selfish anger fades away. So that what's impossible for us in our own power is possible with God. So may the Spirit of God enable us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And so we pray, Lord, make us more like You, You who are gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Amen.